This episode is brought to you by Reset Your Career, a workshop and action plan designed to put your career back on track. Hi, I'm Renata Bernardi, and this is the Job Hunting Podcast, where I interview experts and professionals and discuss issues that are important for job hunters and those who are working to advance their careers. So make sure that you subscribe and follow, and let's dive right in. Welcome to the Job Hunting Podcast. If you are a new listener, I'm so excited that I have you here. Thank you. And if you've been listening for a while, thank you so much for your time and your trust. It means the world to me to have such a supportive audience. Please remember to subscribe to the show. Depending on the platform, you can also click the notification button and it will notify you when a new episode is out. Or better still, subscribe to my newsletter. Then I can send it weekly to you, and with my newsletter comes the new episode, so you will never miss a new episode. To subscribe to my newsletter, you can go to my website. It's www.renatabernardi, that's R-E-N-A-T-A-B-E-R-N-A-R-D-E.com forward slash blog, and there will be a link to it in the episode show notes. I am here by myself again today, no guests this time, and we are going to discuss a topic that has become more and more of an issue for my coaching clients. I am a career coach, and my clients are professionals working in the corporate, nonprofit, and government sectors all around the world. I have clients based in Australia, New Zealand, USA, UK, Asia. And they are either actively looking for a new job or keen to redesign their careers intentionally with a strong purpose, have a strong plan behind it, and then go to market. So they can achieve better results if they have that plan. And most importantly, they can achieve their career goals. So those are the sort of clients that I have. And I get a lot of inspiration in working with my clients. And I'm lucky and grateful that I have that finger on the pulse on what's really trending out there in the world. And I have been doing this full time since 2019. And I've opted out of the corporate world to become a full time coach. So I live vicariously in the corporate world through them. And it's really fun. But in this episode, we're going to be talking about a topic that I know all too well. If you've you know, read the title of this episode, you know what I'm talking about. In fact, I purposefully did very little research to share with you my own personal experience about this, my rationale for doing it, and also share with you what I would do differently if I had to do it again. You know, if I could go back, you know, there are a few things that I would do differently. And of course, as you know, from the title, this topic is about podcasting, specifically podcasting for white-collar workers. What I mean by that, it's not podcasting for business owners. It's not podcasts for people like me who are, you know, solo entrepreneurs, career coaches, or some sort of experts out there that are working for themselves. No, I'm talking specifically about podcasting for executives, for professionals that work in the corporate sector, for professionals that work in government or in the nonprofit sector, so that you have a job. At least for now, you have a job or you want to have a job again if you're currently between roles. 
and you are looking at everyone else having a podcast and thinking, should I go there? Should I have a show as well? So firstly, I will tell you how I did it and why. I will share also the information about the tech stuff too, because I think it's good for you to kind of know how I did it for better or for worse. Then I will tell you why I think podcasting could work for you as well. And for you, I mean that white collar professional who has a job or wants to have a job and how can podcasting be part of your portfolio. Then I will let you know what I think the best steps are if you are invited to be a guest on someone else's show. And if you want to be invited, then how would you do that? So let's talk about that as well. But first, a quick note to say that this episode is brought to you by Reset Your Career. I created Reset Your Career to be an on-demand, that means it's ready for you right now, short program fully packed with everything you need to start redesigning your career. I included four masterclasses that I believe are essential for professionals in their mid-career who have lost track of their goals and aspirations. Then you have important documents such as resume and cover letter templates that you can download and use. You have LinkedIn checklists to put that new professional presence out there into the world. And finally, I don't want you to drop the ball after watching all the masterclasses. I don't want you to lose motivation. So inside Reset Your Career, you will find a 31-day action plan that you can activate when you're ready, and it will keep you accountable for an entire month, every day sending you important clues and bite-sized actions you can take to improve your professional presence or job search. At the time of this recording, Reset Your Career is an investment of 219 Australian dollars, that's approximately 155 US dollars. If you think of it as a 31-day project to make your career plans better, that's an investment of $5 a day. I think it's totally worth it. So please go check it out. Reset your career at www.renatabernardi.com forward slash reset. That's R-E-N-A-T-A-B-E-R-N-A-R-D-E dot com forward slash reset. There's a link to it in the episode show notes as well. All right. Are you ready to learn more about podcasting? Let's do this. Okay, let's go back to 2019 when I decided to do podcasting. Podcasting is cheap. It's much cheaper than a lot of things out there. It's cheaper than writing a book. And so many people like myself who want to establish their reputation think of writing books. And frankly, I didn't want to do that. It takes too long. And I felt like I wanted something that I could, you know, have better control faster than, let's say, writing a book and then not selling it. I was just so scared. I still am scared of writing a book, even though I feel like I have an entire book inside my head living there waiting to be published. Podcasting seemed easy to me. It's not as easy as I thought it was, but I think it's much easier than a lot of other things. Less invasive as well. You know, one of the other options I was considering was developing a strong YouTube channel. And now I am more comfortable with video. And if you want to see my YouTube channel, go check out my channel and subscribe, like a few things. It will 
definitely helped me a lot. And I'm creating a YouTube channel that I think will potentially grow in the next year or so. But podcasting was, was a much faster, easier, cheaper more accessible thing for me to do straight up when I put my foot down and I decided, okay, I want to be a career coach. How can I make myself known out there in the world? It was, like I said, faster than writing a book, but wider than just blogging. So, you know, blogging is great. Writing articles is great. And the blogs that go with most of my podcasts are still great blogs. You know, I sometimes put a lot of effort into writing uh, stronger blogs. I think it depends on how much energy and time I have that week. I do a weekly show. So, you know, there's just so much time that I can dedicate to everything. But sometimes I think that the podcast deserves a strong blog and I put a lot of effort into it. I publish it on my website, the, the blog, and then I also publish it on LinkedIn and sometimes it gets picked up by other blogs, usually blogs from recruitment companies. I've published on a few. So yeah, it's great when somebody, you know, reaches out to me and say, can I publish your blog on my blog or can I send it out to my audience in my newsletter? And, and if it's a search company or a recruitment company or an assessment company, I'm really proud of it. Check out my website if you haven't looked at the blogs yet, because they're all there. But I wanted to expand my reputation and build trust and authority. And I thought, well, okay, podcasting seems like an easier route for me to follow. And it is also a growth area. I was really interested in doing it. I didn't expect a couple of things. So, for example, even though I knew it was going to be part of my business portfolio as part of growing my career coaching business, I didn't realize that by creating a podcast, I was actually creating what we call a marketing funnel for my business. So what happens is I give content and I serve a wide community, everybody listening here right now, and that warms you up. I educate you on how I work, how I think as a coach, how I work with my clients, I educate my audience and the value of having a coach, you know, and then some clients reach out to me from the podcast. So it becomes one of my marketing funnels. It's one of my strongest marketing funnels now, I think, together with recruiters recommendation. You know, recruiters recommendation has always been a very strong marketing funnel for me, but I don't know that many recruiters around the world. So now I have clients in the US. I have clients in Singapore. I have had clients in Indonesia. I have people reaching out for me from all parts of the world, UK, yeah, New Zealand. So I don't know recruiters in these countries. <laughs> and they come to me via the podcast, you know, sometimes via LinkedIn, but mostly the podcast. So that is fantastic. And they come warm. They come knowing me. They're ready to be coached. They don't need to be convinced. And that's the beauty of it. And I love my podcast for that reason. It helps me not only serve a very wide community of people I may never meet. I love when people reach out to me through emails or, you know, or LinkedIn or some other social media platforms to tell me how much they enjoy the podcast. I'm, I think 99% of the people that listen never reach out to me. And that's fine as long as they're enjoying it. It makes me so happy. So indirectly, 
I do make money from it, right? But I don't make money like a Joe Rogan makes money. So Joe Rogan, Tim Ferriss, Brene Brown, all of these amazing podcasters, they make a lot of money commercially. They have advertisers that pay a lot of money. And that type of podcasting was never my intention. I never thought that I would be as big as them. I serve a niche. I serve also an audience that is not that yet keen on podcasts, would you believe, you know? A lot of clients tell me that they've, you know, started podcasting very recently and then they found me and then they reached out to me. Podcasting seems to be a much bigger thing for Professionals like myself, you know, people that work for freelancers, people that work for themselves, that have their own businesses, they seem to enjoy podcasting much more than corporate professionals, right? So, yeah, my audience, I believe, is growing, but is not yet using podcasts as much. I have a lot of clients that I'm working with that come to me, let's say, via recruiters, never heard my voice on the podcast, have never listened to my podcast. It's quite bizarre. But there you go. So the other thing I didn't expect was to catch up with experts in my field, you know, use the podcast as an opportunity to reconnect with people, connect with people for the first time and have this community of guests now that is so important to me as a coach. I need to test an idea. I call them. I I can go back to them and ask for help or invite them over to be a guest again. It's such an amazing community and I love that the podcast has allowed me to connect or reconnect with people that are important for my profession. And it gives me an opportunity to reach out to an audience that needs my expertise. And I love what I do. I'm a very lucky person. And I chose to do this purposefully. I had a plan to start coaching maybe in my late 50s. I brought it forward. And I don't regret it one bit. If you think about how much value and how important this podcast was for me and for my audience during the pandemic and during lockdowns and how I was able to give feedback in real time for my audience, it was amazing. We have a COVID series. I interviewed people specifically about the complexity and the uncertainty of what we were living and the things that were happening as they were happening, you know, no jobs advertised. You know, how do you do it? What do we do next? How do we remain with our professionals head on when we're all stuck at home? So it was a really interesting time. And I really enjoyed and I still enjoy giving that real-time feedback. Now, for example, I have one client telling me I've been invited to be on a podcast. Then I have a second client. Then I have a third client. And then I think, well, it's time to talk about it, right? (laughs) If it's affecting my clients, it's affecting other people. So let's do an episode about it. So that is the amazing opportunity that this show allows me to do. Now, how did I do it? Well, It was really, really basic at the beginning, right? I bought on Amazon a lapel microphone. The brand is Boya, B-O-Y-A. And the first few episodes, up to episode number 20, I think, I had a lapel microphone and my phone. I recorded it on my phone. I downloaded an app. I don't even remember the name. I don't think it exists anymore. And I even did the editing on this app. And then I decided to interview people. So then I went online 
and I bought a Duo Omni lapel microphone. So it's a, a mic that, you know, would click to my phone and it had two mics on it and they were both lapels. And I interviewed Jeanette Cernak. That was episode 23. I interviewed Mohit Bhagava, Mo, my friend, episode 36. I interviewed them with those lapels. And you can hear the sound of the lapel microphone. You know, when you, I don't know if you've been um, a speaker at a conference, but if it rubs against your skin or your clothes, you can hear that sound, that sort of this sound like that. So that kind of annoyed me. And then I decided to go online and do a bit of research about podcasting. Would you believe, I, like episode 36, and I still hadn't done any research whatsoever in how to properly do a podcast. And I decided to buy a cheap microphone. It's not that expensive. It's called the Samsung Q2U. That's the one that I'm using now. It's probably one of the last times that I will be using this microphone. I'm about to upgrade to a Rode. That's R-O-D-E. It's a famous microphone brand. It's an Australian brand, but it's used worldwide. A lot of podcasters use it. And I've tasked my husband to research the best Rode microphone for me. This Samsung one is great, but I think because it's three years old now, it it's just making some weird sounds. And, you know, Sienna mentioned it, Camille mentioned it, the, the people that work in my team, and we decided it's time to upgrade. So first I had a table stand for my Samsung. Then I bought an arm. So if you go to my YouTube channel and you watch some of my videos, you will see that it's on an arm that's stuck to my desk. And at one time I bought a pop filter, which is like, it looks like a tennis racket that's it's in front of your microphone. This might be too technical, but I still think for some of you, it might be fun. But I, I removed the pop filter because it blocks my view and I'm reading from notes at times and it just, I didn't like it. So that's why I also want the Rode because the Rode doesn't need a pop filter. And I think I will really enjoy that. I think that one that I'm using right now, the Samsung would probably work better if I had a pop filter in front of it. My podcast is hosted by a platform called Podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N. You don't need to know that, but, you know, in case you're thinking about, you know, what happens next. So Podbean hosts it. I, I upload the audio file there, add all the details, the title and the description notes, and Podbean then distributes it everywhere, distributes it to... Apple to Google and Spotify, Audible, Alexa, Amazon, everywhere, iHeartRadio and so on. In fact, I received an email a while ago. It's more than a year now saying it's time for me to do. So Podbean just makes recommendations and they said, look, you're at the top 2.5% of podcasts, which is crazy because I'm not a big podcast, right? It just goes to show how many podcasts are out there in the world. And I can be part of IMDB, but it was just such a complex set of documents that I had to organize. So IMDB is where like if you Google the name of a movie, it would probably the first post will be the IMDB post, which I thought it would be great for the podcast to be on IMDB. I just don't have the time to do all the paperwork. So ask somebody from my team to help me out, but it's a lot of work. So maybe, maybe sometime. I'll do it. Yeah, so Podbean is, is a great host. I've tried Buzzsprout. I really liked it. You know, I just don't like to, to change things now that I am with Podbean, but I think Buzzsprout would be just as good 
finding guests and finding content has never been a problem for me. I know a lot of people struggle with that. A lot of people that are like me, you know, that decided to have a weekly show, they struggle with finding content, finding guests. If anything, I have too much content. I have way more notes and research and podcast episode titles prepared than I need. <laughs> and I keep coming up with new ideas and some of the old ideas keep being pushing back. But some people do, in which case you can have like a season. Many podcasts do that. And there are some podcasts that are really special and they do seasons and they will do maybe 10 shows a year or even less than that. And then spend the rest of the year just planning for it or taking a break. So you could do that as well. Mine, you know, when I think about the community I serve, my audience, they are job seekers. They can't wait. <laughs> And I want to be there when you need me. I want to be there weekly. Even when I take a break for my holidays, I carry on and I rebroadcast a few shows. I never stop with my newsletter because I have been in your shoes. I have been a job seeker and I felt really, really lonely. And I want this podcast and my newsletter and the resources that I have on my website, the services that I have, I want them to be available whenever you need them right? So I don't have that option, I think, because of the community that I serve, you know, and I want to be there when you need a voice in your ear and, and a friendly voice in your ear. So well, how do I find guests? I reach out to my own network. I have been thinking about being a coach for a while, so I have developed a wide network of experts that are sort of satellite to career coaching and they come and, and they are guests, as, as you know, if you've listened to some of my episodes with guests. Some reach out to me and then I, I'm like, okay, sounds great, let's do this. Or some I reach out to them. I just find them, I listen to them on other shows. Or I just decide, oh, this is a great person. Let's reach out to them. And yeah, some completely new people have been on this show, people I never met in my life and still think that they were absolutely fantastic guests. Michael Inga recently, Natalie and Lisa recently. I'm going to put the links below. So Michael, it was about recruitment technology and Natalie and Lisa was about the great burnout and well-being and menopause. So have a listen to those. Harmonizely for booking. So Harmonize is like Calendly. It's a system, so it makes it very simple for me. I send a brief to my guests by email with some instructions for them, maybe a week before the show. Like I said, I never run out of things to say. And what I tell my guests is this, if it's not rolling out of your tongue, we shouldn't be talking about it. Right? Like my guests are absolute experts and pros at what they're talking about. They don't need to prep to come to my show. We don't need to talk about it beforehand. We just record it. <laughs> and that's how I like it. It's very casual. It's very informal. I can edit things later if I want to. But I, I don't actually have time to double up, right? To do a prep before the show and then do the show. That would be too much work. I don't have time for that. And I think also the show wouldn't be as natural and organic and fun for you to listen to. I want it to be more like, if I have a guest, I want it to be more like, this is a kitchen table conversation and you're just listening as I talk to someone. Hmm? 
So that's the philosophy behind this show. And then the difficult part and the time-consuming part of podcasting is what happens afterwards. And then there's all this editing that needs to be done, identifying the clips that you want to use to promote the podcast on, let's say, LinkedIn, Twitter, everywhere. And, you know, I do little clips, two-minute clips of either audio or video if I've recorded it on video as well. And a quote and a title and a blog and the links that goes in the description of all of that takes time, removing many of the stops. You know, I, I usually record without stopping at all, but sometimes I do. Sometimes it needs a bit of cleanup and I've had help for that. I've done it myself in the past and sometimes when I don't have any episode and it's last minute, I do it myself. But, you know, at the beginning I had Estella, who's now my Facebook ads expert. She decided to focus on Facebook ads only and she does all my Facebook ads so if you found me through Facebook ads that's Estella's work and then now I have Sienna so if you decide to have your own podcast please contact Sienna I'll have her contact details in the episode show notes she's really great she also does the lead to soar and other shows out there and that's all she does is podcast editing for people like me and we use a series of softwares and platforms like Audacity right now. I'm recording in a system called Audacity because I don't have a guest. But if I have a guest, then I use a platform, usually StreamYard. I'm going to try another one soon. And then we edit using Filmora, if it's video or the script, if it's audio only. So, you know, there are lots of technology and things that you need to know. And let's say if an episode is 30 minutes long, the editing at the beginning could be an entire day or more. <laughs> and then you get better and better at it. And then it becomes a few hours, but still a lot of work. And then you have to promote it. And that's a few more hours. So to do the promotional material, we use a platform called Canva. You may know about Canva. If you don't, it's an Australian startup that's huge now. It's huge. It's not even, I don't even think it should be called a startup anymore. And it's a great place to do images. And we do all of our designs using Canva. Then we promote on every social media channel from LinkedIn to TikTok using Hootsuite, which is a platform where you can schedule everything. And then we, of course, have a newsletter that I send out to all my subscribers and we have the social media presence. Now, you don't have to have all of this, but I'm just showing you. It is a lot of work. So if you're going to start it and commit to it, then, then you, you have to maybe pick and choose. You know, OK, I'm not going to do everything like Renata, but at least I'm telling you everything I do and you can make a decision. Now, if I was going to start again, I would do things a little bit differently. So I would do. I would probably, instead of just diving into the deep end, I would do a short course to learn more before stepping in. It's harder to learn so much when you're already committed to a weekly schedule. And that's what happened to me. I committed to a weekly schedule, but I was still learning. And yes, yes, I probably would still have to learn as I went, but it would be better if I had done a course. I'm going to link a couple of courses below. My favorite is Steph Taylor's course. I really like Steph Taylor. I have done a few of her programs, not the podcasting. Uh, she does courses for people like me that wants to establish myself online. Rachel Corbett is 
an expert in podcasting as well, and, and she focuses only on podcasting. So I'll put those two links below. But if you are, let's say, already signed up with Udemy or Skillshare, there could be podcasting courses there that you could do. But I recommend those two, especially Steph Taylor's, I think is really easy, quick. You know, it's like my Reset Your Career. It's, it's ready for you. Just download it, do it, and it, you might feel more confident, which I didn't at the beginning. I would probably have invested more in becoming a trusted guest before having my podcast. It's just as much work, but the difference is when you are a guest of other people's podcasts, you are reaching out to a lot more established audiences that are already there, that already exist and are ready to hear you. Instead, I had to create an audience from scratch, right? So I remember when I figured out that I should have become a podcast guest first. I was at an event organized by the Commonwealth Bank. And this amazing woman, her name is Nicole. She is fantastic. She actually started this community of women organized by CBA many years ago. And she said, oh, no, the best thing is to be a guest. And I'm like, oh, she's so right. What have I done? <laughs> but then it was too late. And, and what she said was absolutely right. You know, not only you get the hang of it, you kind of experience podcasting from different perspectives and different podcasters that are more experienced than you. So you learn from just observing as you are a guest on other people's shows, but you also can, for the purpose that I created my podcast, which is to build my reputation, I could do that just by being a guest. I didn't have the trouble of setting myself up and having my own show, right? So sometimes the ego takes over and you don't realize that you're actually causing more trouble for yourself and you could have had a much easier ride by being a guest. Anyway too late now. And yeah, now I am a guest on other people's podcasts and I love it. But you have to invest time in doing that. And we're going to talk about it in a bit. So should you have your own show? I think that it is a great idea, right? For that reason of developing your reputation, establishing yourself as a thought leader, or establishing yourself as somebody who has a keen interest in a specific topic. I always use this example of cybersecurity. Maybe you are a cybersecurity expert, in which case, yes, have a podcast about cybersecurity and share your knowledge with the world. But maybe you are a cybersecurity enthusiast, in which case you have a show about cybersecurity and you interview cybersecurity experts in your show, right? And you share with them what you're learning as you learn them. And, and I think that those two perspectives will still establish your reputation in cybersecurity's community. By having your own show, you have the chance to interview guests on interesting topics you can then find that niche that you can promote your podcast to. I would assume it would be your LinkedIn network, your network of professional colleagues or friends. But if it's a topic for which you were hired to do by a company, you know, you serve that company by your expertise. Let's say you're a cybersecurity expert and you serve a company on cybersecurity. 
you may have a contract that is exclusive. You may have to discuss that interest that you have in establishing a podcast with your employer. Now, I have two examples about that. First example is one of my favorite podcasts. It's Chat 10 Looks 3, a podcast with two journalists, Lee Sales, Annabelle Crabb. They both work for the ABC. However, Chat 10 Looks 3 is not an ABC podcast. So ABC is the Australian Broadcasting Corporation and it has public TV network. It has its own podcast. It has several very good podcasts. But Chat 10 Looks 3 is not part of the ABC portfolio. It's a private endeavor for Lee Sales and Annabelle Crabb. And I wonder how they've done it. <laughs> and I think that that's really interesting. Another example is somebody that I know well who decided to set up her podcast and you know, using her network, interviewed amazing CEOs and other leaders here in Australia only to figure out when she was about to launch that her employer did not want her to do it, had not authorized her, did not think it was a good idea. And it created a huge conflict for her, a huge challenge. And she ended up leaving that job and, well, very quickly found another job with an employer that totally supported her podcast. But it's just something that I think in hindsight she could have approached earlier and figured it out. One thing that could happen is your employer could say, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's have it and have it as a corporate podcast. <laughs> so, you know, it's one thing that you may not expect, but it could happen as well. An alternative scenario would be for you to create a podcast about something else completely different from your work. Let's say you love plants or you love kids or you love travel or sports. I used to have a show and it was called Café Convenio. So that means coffee and wine in Portuguese. And it was me here in Australia and a friend of mine in Brazil. So that's why it's coffee and wine, because when it's evening in Australia, it's morning in Brazil. And it, we used to catch up and talk about our lives. And I was really keen for it to work. It didn't work quite well. And it didn't work because even though I love podcasts, my friend had never listened to podcasts, so she <laughs> she wasn't really natural and it wasn't comfortable for her to do it. And that was a shame because she's hilarious and funny. And I, I chose her because I thought it would be a great match. But like I said, a lot of people haven't discovered podcasts yet. So yeah, so for example, if I was to progress with that other podcast, I could have had it and even career coaching and it wouldn't impact my job, I don't think at all, because I'm not making money from the podcast. It's kind of a hobby, but then, you know, it's still a lot of work. So you have to think, is this something that I want to do? There's another podcast. It's a very successful podcast in Australia. It's two peas in a pod and, and they are two mothers and they have kids. And I don't know the premise of the podcast so much. I've listened to it once, but I think the kids are either neurodiverse or have some sort of disability. And the two women also have jobs and or businesses of their own are completely different. But now the podcast is huge. People love it. They are apparently wonderful at what they do. It's a wonderful show. And I hear a lot about it. I I don't have young kids anymore, so I don't feel like I, you know, it's not for me. 
But it grew in from a hobby and, you know, a platform for them to probably talk about what they were experiencing day to day. It became bigger than probably their businesses and their jobs. So I wonder how they're managing it. Now, finally, I want to talk to you about how to be a guest. Like I said before, I realized a bit late in the game that instead of having my own show, maybe I should have been a guest on other people's shows first. And the same as with creating your own show. If you are invited to be a guest on a podcast, like some of my clients have been lately, I think you need to check with your employer. It would be the same as you being invited to speak at a conference. You are most likely being invited because of the position that you hold, right? So you need to clear with your employer. And it's important to do a lot of research on that podcast. So, for example, I was once considering doing an episode with a podcast for women. It was about empowering women to do whatever they wanted to do and to have great careers and all of that. And the sale was very compelling to me. But once I started doing research on that podcast, which I, th I think is a good podcast and it has a lot of listeners, so it would be great for me. But I realized when I was doing research that it, it is produced by a sex toy company. Nothing against that right? And I think all power to you and all power to everything. But I just felt like mm, it's not for me, right? It wasn't for me. Call me a prude. <laughs> and I just felt like, okay, I'm going to pass this one. But you have to be careful. So sometimes podcasts are produced by companies that are trying to sell a product and you have to clear it with your company that you want to be aligned with that podcast and that product. So my experience working with guests when I invite them is that many guests that are, well, all of my guests that are employed by an organization, they ask for a few days to check, right? So they, they go and check, they ask a, a few more questions, they want to know what questions I'm going to ask. Sometimes they can only accept if they review the audio file later and we do the editing in collaboration. And I accept that because I really want that guest and it needs to be done for me to get that guest. And you know what? Sometimes I invite the guest, the guest really wants to do it. But the answer is no, they can't. And I can completely understand and I leave the door open whenever they're ready. If they change jobs, if the situation changes, please come back to me. I'd love to have you. But that happens and I can understand. I can understand it from the employer's perspective as well. Right. So we just need to kind of double check, triple check. I don't want to get my guest into trouble and I don't want you to get into trouble. Now, let's say everything works out well. Make sure that you have a good setup, right? By the minimum thing that you need is a great microphone and a great internet. Not a good internet, a great internet. Nothing is worse. And you probably have noticed with some of my guests and some of the episodes when the sound quality is not great, that people don't have great great internets. The best one is internet to the cable. So you have a cable, old-fashioned, those old-fashioned blue cables. 
and you're linked to the internet, the next best thing is to be very close to the router. So I am literally 1.5 meters away from my router. So my internet is also NBN to the home, to the really strong internet where I am. I never have a problem here. Usually my guests have problems and that's problematic. And that's why sometimes, though, so yesterday, for example, I was interviewing someone and I was hoping to have the video as well as the audio. So I could put that on my YouTube. My YouTube has all the audios, but of course, YouTube is much better when there is a video. And we had to shut down our cameras because it wasn't working well. So if you are going to be interviewed by a podcast that has a video uh, version, then having a great camera and having a camera at a height that is great, that, you know, your eye heights and, and it's that sort of at that level with your eyes is very important as well. Check that you understand what's going to happen and the sort of exposure that that podcast has, what sort of marketing and promotion it will do once you, you know, give away the rights of what you're saying to the podcaster. So the podcast audio is mine and I will do it with it, whatever I want. So in fact, I do clips of episodes with myself alone or with my guests and I use those clips for ads. So I run them on Facebook and Instagram. I'll probably start running them sometimes on LinkedIn and Twitter this year or next. So yeah, you know, you have to be very clear and comfortable with what's going to happen once you do that show. And of course, you can also be a guest of a show unrelated to your job, making it much simpler and easier for you to just do it. So let's say it's a, a parenting show and you work as a product manager at a bank. That's fine. Go and do the parenting show, right? So what do you do if you want to get invited for a podcast? Anyone can be invited for podcasts, right? Is It's probably better to think about what not to do. So I would recommend that you don't send templated emails out to a gazillion people. I hate getting them. They're boring. I can tell people haven't listened to my podcast. They have no idea what it is about. And they are pitching something that is completely ridiculous and has nothing to do with my audience. And I just have to delete all those emails when I wake up in the morning. And it's really annoying. The way to win people over is to listen to the, the podcast, be a listener, be a fan, write a review, give it five stars. Please give five stars to this show and I would love you for that. And then say, look, I've listened to a few episodes. I love that one with such person and, and it gave me this idea of maybe reaching out to you and sharing with you my experience. I, I'm, I can do this and that. We can talk about this and that. And what do you think? So many people have reached out to me like that. And it was fantastic. And they're great episodes. And I love them. So make sure that you connect on a personal level, that you are a fan of the podcast, and that you know what you're talking about, that you know who you're sending it to, not to just some random person. And yeah, and then make a great pitch, a strong, short pitch. Don't tell them your whole life story. It should be maybe, you know, two paragraphs with a few dot points of topics and ideas that you thought you could talk about. 
make it different, make it novel and compelling. Don't make it boring. You know, it's much easier to find vanilla topics out there, but what is an interesting, different topic that you can add a different flavor to that show? So think about that and good luck. I hope that this has helped you decide if podcasting is for you or isn't for you. I hope that you stick around for the next few episodes. I have some interesting topics coming up, topics that were given to me by my audience, especially on Instagram when I asked. I got some interesting topics and ideas and those are the next episodes coming up. If you're not following me on Instagram, go check it out. I share a lot of pictures of my plants and my breakfasts and my walks. <laughs> so if you're interested, go check out my Instagram. Thank you so much for sticking around. It's a long episode, so let me finish it off and I will see you next time. Bye for now.